Joining us on the show is Dr. Shane Murphy, a professor of psychology at Western Connecticut State University, who is the head of sports psychology for seven and a half years with the U.S. Olympic Committee. He's the author of four books, including The Cheers and the Tears, A Healthy Alternative to the Dark Side of Youth Sports. Welcome, Dr. Murphy, and thanks for joining us on here on Game Time CT. Thank you. Nice to be here. Well, we, well um, yeah, Sean, you want to dive right in there? Yeah, dive right in. Well, the dark side of youth sports, I mean, this is a dark time right now in sports. Uh, a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of, it, kids are having a tough time. Now, we don't know what exactly uh, to do here. Um, and a lot of uh, parents and a lot of uh, people who would like sports to be played say uh, the psychology of it is, uh, is concerning to them. Um, we'd like to just kind of speak to that. In the middle of a pandemic, we saw the CDC, uh, a month ago or so, uh, put out a report that uh, depression has gone up during this pandemic with uh, with young uh, with young men and women, uh, and sports is a, is a big part of their lives. And that's you know right now, uh, especially for the football players in this state, has been uh, is kind of in limbo right now. You can see a lot of the um, emotions from parents, students, and 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 people alike uh, about this issue. So. Uh, you know, what do you see as the, you know, the, the main concern from, from your angle uh, during this pandemic? Well, you know, as a psychologist, I'm always concerned about mental health issues in sport. And um, it's nice to see them being taken more seriously and people being more proactive, I think, in addressing those concerns. Um, but it was really interesting just the other day, uh, Dak Prescott, you know, was doing an interview and, and talked about how very anxious and he depre depressed he got uh, immediately after the pandemic started. And look, this is a really confusing, um, anxiety-producing time for all of us. I mean, we've not been through anything like this in our lifetime. So unfortunately, what's, what, what's, what do we know from stress? And I've been teaching this for you know 30 years. Like the most stressful thing for humans is uncertainty, right? When we don't have answers, you know, and this is an uncertain time. There's no no clear answers. You know, we're, we're working our way through this gradually uh, and starting to find, you know, a solution here, a solution there, piecing it together. But nobody has all the answers. And we can't predict the future either. We, we are still right in the middle of this. Um, you know, starting to get hopeful there, seeing the cases go down nationally for a, a few weeks, and now they're starting to go back up again. You know, so it's like, you know, when, when is this going to end? We don't know, you know. So, uh, of course, I think, young people are going to be really uh, susceptible to those uh, issues uh, just as much as adults. And they're probably going to be picking up on the adults' um, insecurities and, and anxieties as well. So uh, I, can, I can understand the anxiety that's out there, and especially about going back to things that they love doing, like sports. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're obviously this is a high school sports-centric podcast, and uh, a lot of people are, 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 you know, looking at the survey that Sean spoke about and, and talking about mental health issues. And, you know, I, I, my introduction to sports psychology was at college at Southern when I took that elective my senior year. And I was so, it was so, you know, just, it was just so new to me where I was like, holy, like, this is actually real. And it was kind of right around the time when professional sports started to take it seriously as well. So I've always, you know, kind of, thought of myself as someone who was, you know, kind of pro that and in very much support of, of taking care of mental health um, sports wise. Now it seems like it's really kind of picked up. And 
I view, you know, you see a lot of people use it as, as, as a reason why we should have sports. And I'm kind of stuck in the middle where I'm like, yeah, I get that. I totally understand that parents and coaches say like the mental health of the kids are important and, and it really is. But does that supersede the potential rise in cases? Like where, like what, how do we, how are we supposed to like weigh everything? You know what I mean? Where it's like mental health is really important, but also people getting sick is very important. What, what is more important? You know, I, I don't think that's easy to say, but it's just this, this conversation with the tugging and back and forth of what's more important when they're both really important. No, absolutely right. And um, I, I've taught health psychology now for about 25 years. Uh, and so one of the things that I think is really important here is health, health issues in, in uh, general. And uh, public health at a time like this, um, again, one of the complicating factors is the uncertainty, right? And we, and we don't know exactly the best ways to proceed with piecing that together. You know, here in Connecticut, I think we've done a pretty good job. You know, our rates of transmission are among the lowest in the country. Um, and that's to do, I think, with being a pretty well-educated state and people really getting on board with um, social distancing, protective um, use of equipment and so on. So to me, as a health psychologist, we want to follow those guidelines and try and keep the rate of transmission down and the, the new cases of positivity way down. Because what we've seen in other places around the world, if you can get the cases down really low, you can start to open up and do things again. Uh, and sport would be one of those things that you can start to do much more safely when the virus is not spreading wildly in the community. So um, in terms of which to, to put first, I think health comes first, right? We, we, we all look out for each other with the health. And if we can get a handle on that and get control of that, then we can start to do some of the things that are more important for our uh, mental uh, health and, and psychological well-being. In the meantime, I think we've got to, we've got to look at other things that we can do. Uh, and I, frankly, you know, with physical activity, there's a lot of alternatives out there than just playing organized youth sports right now. What would your advice be to parents as they try to try to navigate all the bad news? You know, they they obviously parents very emotional about you know their kids opportunities um and you know they've driven a lot of the discussion here um you know should this go should this go or not go well, how do you you know how do they talk to their kids and be able to present them with you know a good foundation for them to to deal with these issues yeah it's a great it's a great question I have so much empathy for parents. You know, in, in that book that I wrote, um, I talked a lot about how parents are in a really difficult situation emotionally with youth sports, right? Because here's their, you know, the thing that they love and value most in life, their child, you know, who's out there in this competitive situation. Uh, it's very, very public. So everybody gets to see your successes, your blunders, your failures, you know. And how can you not, as a parent, be really emotionally involved in it and attached in a situation like that and then now bam you know everything stopped and it, it feels like it's being taken away so again parents are really emotionally stressed out about that so you know one of the things i've been talking about with uh you know colleagues and, and uh, families that have come to me and asked about this is you know the same advice i would give somebody if, if you were going into like a counseling session 
when you're speaking with your uh, children, just be really open to hearing what they think about it, right? Because they've got their own thoughts, their own feelings about this. And the parent has to be the parent. They have to put aside some of their own emotional attachment and their own emotional investment and be like, you know, what is what are the child, what, what is the young teenager or, or preteen thinking about this situation? Uh, how do they feel? What are they worrying about? And really addressing some of those, being a really good listener. A lot of uh, a lot of parents have I've been concerned, especially ones of older children that that are athletes, I should say, that you know, a big thing is their their it's their moment, you know, their senior moment maybe for seniors, uh, their time to to get the scholarships or at least try and get noticed. Um, and it seems to me that they put that more important into, and it might, it might cloud their judgment a little bit on what might be important for public health. And I think public health officials have been trying to convey that, listen, this isn't really about individuals getting this, uh, but it's more about mitigating the, the community spread. I mean, what's, an, what's something that they can do to kind of, I don't know, understand that. But again, I, I totally understand their position on it. Like this is, again, this is unprecedented times. You know, how do they kind of deal with that themselves? I know, you know, honestly, I think for all of us, there's some grieving that we need to do. You know, it's just like, it's that emotional process. When you lose somebody you love, here we're losing things that we love. Like you said, like the rituals of society are so important for our psychological well-being. And, and th those have all just like vanished this year, you know, and, and some of them may slowly start coming back and we're, we're starting to see some of it, but some of these things are gonna take a while. So as you know, we talked about, we can, we can really get a handle on this and understand it better and reduce the uncertainty. Uh, I know for myself, you know, we have a graduate program at Western. This was our first class ever of graduate students in addiction studies. And they were going to graduate in May and I was gonna you know, be there to, cheer them on when they walked across the stage and, and all that just vanished. And I, I just, I mean, I felt like crying. I still do. You know, it's like, it was awful. And, uh, you know, I think you got, we, we just have to realize that these, this is going to cause some real hardships uh, while it's ongoing. And uh, it's okay. It's okay to grieve about those things. It is, it is really sad. Yeah, you mentioned it... grieving. And I, I think that's actually a, a great word because I've always been trying to you know, I, Sean, Sean played some high school sports. I played some high school sports. I didn't make every team that I ever tried out for. Trust me, I am the worst basketball player in the history of the world. And I had two uncles play D1 ball, and I didn't get any of those genes. I got cut from basketball teams. I got cut from baseball teams. I got cut from all these other teams. Um, so now everyone knows how terrible of an athlete I am. But – you're you grieve when you don't make the team and i'm not saying that them getting their season taking taken away is the same thing but we're seeing this pushback which i'm all about these athletes uh standing up using their first amendment right the rally at the capitol all that i get that but at what point is it kind of healthier you know maybe mentally to just be like okay this is a roadblock this is something that has come up in my life how am i going to work to get past it how am i going to how is how am i going to make myself a better person you know by like pushing through and powering through this obstacle in my life well i think i think that's certainly one option um again i would say look there's no one size it's all answer you know people are going to uh some athletes are going to take that really public proactive approach 
you know, but I'm sure there's other athletes that are like, you know, they're like, mm, you know, this, maybe this is a good thing that this is happening this way. So again, I, I just really emphasize listening, you know, listening to each individual uh, as a family, you know, as parents and working through this. And unfortunately right now it's just dealing with reality, right? Like the, the officials are not going to change their minds, I don't think, based on what we want, right? They're going to try and make public health decisions, you know, what's best for the safety. Uh, we were going to uh, start back up at Western Connecticut two weeks ago. You know, everyone was ready to move in. And on that Friday night, you know, Mayor Bowden and the state said, no, we've got a spike of cases here. You, you can't move your students back in, you know, and it's got postponed two weeks. Now it looks like, you know, we, we're, we're moving back in tomorrow on Saturday. So um, we, we, we just have to deal with reality at At one of the things I'm, I'm a little concerned about is somehow that, you know, there, you, you talk about there's a grieving process, but there's also like the anger, you know, they talk about the stages of grief, you know, there's the anger pro where, where, how, how concerned are you or our or, or psychologists about how the anger involved in having something out of your control um, be forced upon you, you know, and you, basically I've seen a lot of people put any argument they can find, sometimes even bad ones sometimes even ones that are misinformed um, out there. And it seems to really kind of rally people up. And, you know, how do you, how does, how does people, how do people navigate that? That, that seems to me a, a really important part of this. Well, you're quite right. Like there's a lot of emotions bound up in this. And as I say, it's unprecedented. You know, I think if we, if we went back a hundred years to that 1919 uh, flu epidemic, we, we'd find people that would understand what we're going through right but otherwise, no, I mean, none of us have ever dealt with this. So uh, I think anger, yep, absolutely. People are experiencing that. Um, you know, anxiety was talked about, depression. I think some people are really, really down and, and feeling like really unmotivated. Um, and I think with all those, um, you, you have to deal with it again by acknowledging it, you know, and then listening and processing it, hearing people's concerns. You know, if people are really, uh, you know, to take your point, like upset, and maybe they're sort of lashing out a little bit. You know, we talk about diffusing situations like that, right? You're trying to like meet them where they are. I say, look, I understand your concerns, right? Here's what's happening. You know, this is why this is being done. You know, how, you know, how do you feel about that? You know, what what role can you play constructively in dealing with this situation? Because as I said, you know, some things you can change, but there's a lot of things right now that that none of us can change. So. The anger is, is understandable, you know, but what are you going to do with that in a positive way to deal with this situation? You know, a lot of this reminds me, and Pete wasn't around, but a lot of this reminds me of the 1980 summer boycott. Um, or the, yeah, the 1980, yeah, the 1980 oh, summer boycott Olympics? in Moscow. Oh, that was so Olympics. I knew Gene Mills, who was a wrestler at Syracuse University, who was going to go to the Olympics. There were a lot of stories coming out how angry and how upset and the things that they, uh, that the athletes threw around at the politicians uh, about how that their dreams were taken away. A lot of those, that was their only shot. Um, I mean, do you, I, I, you must see that. And uh, you know, I, I don't, I was younger, but I do remember that. Um, I mean, do you remember that? And you know, when, what, what did, what did people do then? Oh no, I, I remember it. In fact, when I worked at the Olympic committee, there were many athletes around at that time. This was the late 1980s, early 1990s that had been through that, right? I had a, a sports psychology intern that was one, one of the great divers in the USA that was robbed of her 
chance of Olympic gold because of that 1980 Um You know, my personal opinion, that was way too political. Like, you know, that was a decision that, that probably shouldn't have been made. Um, and, but again, you're right. Africans had to do with a lot of that same anger at not having control over something that they worked so hard towards being taken away from them. Uh, and again, some people went into real depression and, and uh, anger and, and were really down about that. But those who've done best, like my intern, uh, Megan, uh, you know, they, they took the positive approach of like, you know, how can I pick myself up from this setback, learn about resilience and applying myself in other areas of life uh, now that that particular goal and dream of mine is no longer possible to fulfill. What can schools do? You know, what can, you know, should, is it something schools should really, again, we don't know if football is done yet, but I mean, the, just the, the roller coaster ride has really been a big concern. Kids don't know. They feel like they're helpless. They did go to the Capitol, which I thought was a, a tremendous thing. Um, but, you know, what can schools do? These kids, if they don't have a football season, these kids are going to be sitting on the sidelines or they're watching some of their other kids play. I, you know, what can schools do to try and help these, these athletes out? That's a good question. I mean, I think one thing, again, is this is not so much really sports psychology, but just general good um, psychology is, is communication, right? You try to just try to be as transparent as possible. As I said, this is uncertainty. And the schools are also dealing with that. They, they have never had to make these sorts of decisions before. And it's based on sometimes limited information. So the more they can say, look, here's the situation. These are the facts that we have right now. This is what we're being told, right? And I think they're trying to do that. I think they really are, but they're just going to really keep communicating clearly because when it becomes a situation, people are like, I'm not getting the full picture here. You know, what's going on? Like, I'm not hearing the story. That's when a lot of the really, you know, the conspiracy theories, you know, the, the anger that you were talking about can start to build because people feel left out of communication. They feel left out of the dialogue. So I think that's probably one thing they can they can do. Um, as I said earlier, I think you know I'm a huge proponent of physical activity and sport being a wonderful positive thing in life for the promotion of our just mental well-being. And I would emphasize that like if the, if the football team, for example, is not able to play right now, we don't know if they can play for maybe you know next spring. What else can you do? You know, there's lots of what other activities. You know, maybe you can do some of them together. As small groups, you know, I'm, I'm still playing tennis, but I only play outdoors and I only play singles, which uh, is a bit of a, a stress on me right now at 62, but uh, <laughs> I'm still having fun with it, you know, but I used to love playing doubles indoors, but I just can't do that at the moment. So, um, you know, what other alternatives are out there to keep that physical activity and that little bit of that competitive drive satisfied? Uh, maybe schools can put their heads together and think of things to recommend and help with in that way. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just Take it off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, a big thing that that we're hearing from coaches and, and players is that lack of transparency, which, you know, depends on what side you're on or, you know, what you view as them being transparent or not. But a big thing that they're saying is that, like, you told us to do this, we did this, and now you're still telling us no. I feel like that's a big thing that the, the coaches and the athletes are saying is, like, well, what's – when – like, tell us what number you want, and we'll get that number. I don't think it's that easy. You know, it's not a 
it's not a math problem. You know what I mean? You can't just have an answer and then, you know, it's done. But I feel like that lack of transparency is what's really kind of brewing a lot of this. Cause even today or uh, on Friday where they had the press conference at the state Capitol, a lot of people were tweeting at our reporter being like, okay, but they didn't answer this question. They didn't answer this question. I feel like that is something that is really kind of brewing this whole thing of, of, uh, you know, these angry responses and just straight up anger. I mean, that's a lot of what I see is just a lot of anger and I get some of it and I understand it, but at the same time, you know, there's only so many things that the CIAC can do when it all said and done, they answer to a higher power than just, you know, the coaches and the superintendents. Yeah. And, and you know, no, I, there's no universal answer, right? Like the Big Ten is on pause, as far as I understand it, at college. But I think it's at the SEC is going ahead, you know? So, um, and you're right. Look, there's no math answer to the problem. But I, I do think being transparent about goals is a good thing. You know, I think one thing that as a public health um, person, uh, you know, with a lot of background in epidemiology, you know, what I've been hearing about is trying to get below the R north, you know, one 1% positivity or less. And our problem here in Danbury the last few weeks has really been about 7% positivity. You know, so that's not a good thing. So, um, you know, is that something that we're striving for to get it down to a certain uh, low number of positivity? And if that was the case and we were able to keep that through the whole state, you know, are we able to maybe go back to some of these things? Is it possible that we'll have football in the spring if that is the situation? Um, I would hope that there is at least some communication around those sorts of goals going on. Yeah. Is there, I guess there, the, the broad thing here for me, um, it, doctor is, uh, you know, I, I feel like parents need to, you know, maybe try and as much as they want to advocate for the kids, maybe try and take themselves out of it and maybe listen a little bit more and try and get them the most kind of information. Kids, uh, you know, need to look at this, try to find a positive way to, to, to deal with this. Um, you know, going forward, uh, I mean, I, I, we've heard it from the CIAC as well that to say, listen, uh, I think there's a lesson to be learned here. And I, I think I said this at a graduation, um, but I think this is one of the things, if you can survive this, uh, you know, a positive message is that you can probably, probably survive anything, you know, at this point. You've been through the worst. You, you could tell kids going, you know, years from now, look, I survived 2020, you know, whatever you're going through right now. I think, I mean, this may not be ideal for them, but I think, you know, in a positive way, uh, it could really, you know, affect if they look at if they choose to do this again this is uh, it depends on where they go psychologically um i think they can use this in their development as adults into adults um you know what do you think and uh you know and how, is that an important message to convey no i mean i think that's a great message for young people right that's something i, I stress all the time in health cycles is resilience right how do you bounce back and learn to bounce yeah. back we're all learning messages and lessons here about, you know, what do you do when everything seems to be going against you, you know, and things. And, you know, to be honest, I've been encouraged. I've seen a lot of really good things out of young people. You know, some of the uh, social uh, efforts that have been going on uh, have been driven a lot by young people, you know, with awareness of, of things like uh, climate change, you know, uh, racial equality, social inequality, and so on. So I think people are perhaps taking advantage of a time when they have opportunities to reflect upon bigger issues um, and, and doing something with that. So I think that's a great message. 
Uh, and I also like your other message, you know, for parents, something I, I had, you know, my kids are now in their thirties, but when they were little, you know, just taking your own emotions out of the situations. Because as I said earlier, right, it's hard, you know, it's, it's your loved one out there and you care so much about them. But in the long run, it's not about you, you know. And I've heard from so many parents, like, oh, 20 years later, I look back and I was like, why did I go get so upset and wrapped up about, you know, kids' sports? Uh, it seems really important at the time. And, and there are aspects of it that are, that are really, really valuable. But we have to take ourselves out of the equation and do a really good job of meeting the needs of the young people. You know, what, what are we doing for them at this point, point in time? Yeah, absolutely. You know, another thing I, I thought of, and this is something that's really kind of stuck with me, I don't think our generation or maybe, well, my generation, their generation, maybe yours, um, had to deal with anything like anything like this. I mean, my grandparents, they, they had to deal with World War II and they might have yeah. dealt with the Depression. Um, you know, and before that, there's been, there hasn't been anything like this, right? I mean, am I, you know, I know my parents' generation, they were always scared of uh, maybe a nuclear war happening. Um, and there was Vietnam, which was similar, but it didn't disrupt like the daily life that this is now. So, I mean, you see some, something there. This is something that, you know, we're not used to uh, in, this, uh, in this country. No, but, you know, I am older, you know, so my parents, and my father's passed away, but um, I used to talk about this with him. He was a teenager during World War II, and uh, that is the nearest equivalent. And in fact, I think, you know, that was a lot, a lot worse. You know, the people were dying by the uh, tens and hundreds of thousands, you know, and every day, in the early 1940s, it was bad news. You know, woke up and you read the yeah. newspaper. It was like how far the Nazi line has advanced today. You know, right. It looked really bleak. Um, and I've, I talked about it with uh, you know my wife's parents, um, how they adapted and bounced back from that. And they're looking at this COVID virus as, yes, it's, it's a really a, a negative thing. But I don't think for them it, it rises up to that level of what they experienced. Right. So, um, you know, maybe we can look to that and say, hey, you know, it's bad, but it's not that bad. You know, let's, yeah. uh, let's be thankful here. You know, like one great thing is like we have this technology, right? Can you imagine this pandemic 20 years ago when we didn't all have cell phones and Zoom? And yeah. I did so many puzzles. And let me tell you, I am not good at puzzles. They took two times as much as they probably <laughs> should have. And then I'll be honest with you, I lost power a couple of weeks ago with a tornado in Hamden. And when the sun was out, I was like, this is great. I'm off my laptop. I'm not on my phone. And then once it got dark and I was sitting in my living room, I was like, what do I do with myself? Like, oh, it's 8.30. I guess I'm going to go to bed because there's nothing else in the world to do. Right. Get a, get a flashlight out and read a good book. I, I had a candle, but if you get close enough to the candle, then the book goes on fire. And, you know, then uh, not that I don't have power. Then I have a fire in my apartment. So... But like you guys mentioned, like kind of the long term and how to, you know, be resilient, like use this to be resilient as you as you get older. But what are some of the long term negatives to come out of this if if these kids don't get to play? You know, obviously you want them to become resilient and learn from it and, you know, use it to better themselves in life. But that, unfortunately, the case is that's not going to be everyone. You know, and, and there are going to be people who are going to hold this grudge for a very, very long time. You know, everyone, you know, the, the song Glory Days, right, by Bruce Springsteen, he's talking about his high school days. Like, people do that. Like, you go to a bar, you run into someone like, hey, man, back in 88, your boy was a stud. And, you know, like, what are some of these, like, ramifications going to be for some of these kids who, as they become adults if they don't get this season? 
I've, I've actually been talking about that with my students at West Park because I'm teaching a freshman seminar class. So they were all high school students. A lot of them went to Danbury High uh, this spring. And um, one thing I would say is don't hold that grudge, right? That's the worst thing you can do. You gotta, you gotta let it go of the things that, again, are outside of our control and focus on the things that are under our control. And uh, I'm actually seeing some really positive signs from those young people. You know, they've been able to look at this, as you said, and, and see like, what are some good things? Like a lot of them are saying like, I feel a lot uh, better with my family right now. You know, we've been able to talk about this. We've been able to do more things together. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it in communities, but it's like, you know, local parks and tennis courts and baseball fields. You know, you see a lot of families out uh, in the evenings right now, which is a wonderful thing. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you might, maybe you've lost a high school um, senior year in sports or a freshman year, but that's no reason to, to take that and, and turn it into something that you hold close as a negative. No, you got to let that go and, and look for the positive things that you can do from here on learning from that experience yeah i mean i've gone to some parks i've gone hiking big hike guy uh, a lot of trails and everyone's like waving at you they're all like hey hey and i'm like yeah. people are w are really nice right now yeah, um, people are great in connecticut like you know I, there's certain hikes that i do that are really busy you know? and people will put their mask on if you get too close you know and then they take it off and you see the you know more than six feet away and it's like it's so nice you know people being so um supportive of each other right now yeah, it's pretty, and I'll be honest, you know, I, I live in Hamden and, you know, every, maybe like once a week, I'll try to like get, you know, food from like a local place or, you know, a small restaurant or a small bar that has food. And like, you go there and it's like pretty packed and it's either people don't want to cook, people don't want to go to the supermarket or they're just, they just want to support their, their local businesses. I think that's great. Even outdoor eating has, I mean, I love outdoor eating anyway, but like, you know, that's obviously taking a big tick up because a lot of people don't want to sit inside. And you, you know, you're not close to people, but you're still like kind of having conversations with them, people you've never spoken to. And I could talk to anyone, let me tell you that. But, you know, it's just, it's, you've got this nice feel now when you're like running, you run into someone at a store, you know, you give them a nice little wave, you know, a little head nod, it, it's kind of nice. Yeah, look, I have a lot of optimism. Humans are very adaptable, you know, we've, we've adapted to all sorts of challenges in our brief history. And uh, this, is a, this is a big challenge for sure, but we'll adapt. And uh, I, I think there'll be, there'll be things that'll come out of this that we'll all do for the rest of our lives now. It's like, I'm not saying that, you know, we, we have to, you know, this is the new normal. No, we want to get back to a lot of the rituals and things that, that we really love. But there's going to be things that we adapt and change and learn that we're going to stick with. Right now. That's a good uh, way to kind of lead off. Doc, uh, Dr. Murphy, thank you very, very much. Thanks, we appreciate but, you having on, giving us a little giving us a little insight to this. It's very, very difficult issues, obviously. Um, but, uh, you know, to talk us through this, I guess that's a, what, uh, you know, good psychologists do. We kind of talk it out. And I think that's an important thing a lot of people need to do. And we appreciate you giving us a little time here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We really, we really, we, yeah, we really appreciate it. And good luck with everything. <laughs> Stay safe. And I, I'm, I'm going to find my words eventually. So. Thanks. <laughs> All right, doctor. Thank you. Thank you.